Hello, Kristen here. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you that the antidote is a thing that's happening. It's a series of monthly gatherings that will help you return to your body and your being over and over again in the face of, you know, 2024, election insanity, climate change, global wars, your own personal stuff, other stuff. It's crazy out there. And it's easy to abandon yourself and freak out. The antidote is for bringing you home to yourself so that you can be safe in your being even when the world outside of you feels objectively unsafe. And because everybody's marketing at you and there's no reason for you to believe me, you can head to jointheantidote.com to grab a free recording of the first session that happened this week so you can feel it instead of thinking about it to see if it's a good match for you. That is jointheantidote.com. Scroll all the way down and you will see a place to pop your email address in and grab the recording. Hello and welcome to this episode of That's What She Said. I have to be honest, this is one that has been uh, coming for years and years and years. And I thought it was going to be the most magnificent thing that I had ever recorded because we have Josh Solar on the other line. Hello. Hi. Hello. I'm um, glad to be here. I'm glad to have you. And I'm so sorry that we're meeting in the face of a global pandemic instead of just like life every day as it is. Um, and so I just talked with Josh offline and we agreed that like, this will be less Josh is a master person who knows something and more like, what are the ways that you have learned as a Reiki practitioner, as a breathwork practitioner, as a Wim Hof practitioner, as a, and as a generally like spiritual practice doing being, what are the ways that we have to mitigate panic? So that's what we're going to go into because I've seen it. Um, it's everywhere right now. It's just pure panic. And I would argue that panic is the most, uh, the most contagious human emotion that exists. It's that if you're panicked, I'm panicked. And uh, if we all operate from a place of panic, it's all going to go to shit much more quickly than if we can have our sort of wiser selves and calmer heads prevail. Yes. So I would, also, I would also say that it's, it's kind of interesting that um, before we jump in, mm -hmm. uh, that like you think about how much of life is out of our control, mm -hmm. right? And I mean, I talk a lot about this when I'm, when I'm doing breathwork classes or just like, I talk about this a lot with my kids, like how much of life is out of our control. And right now, so much of this panic and the way people are responding and that the way that this virus is growing is so much out of our control. So, so we need to make sure, which we're going to get into, um, that we are focusing on things that are with our, within, our, within our control and knowing that that is enough. That's the best we can do. Um, and it's also trying to take panic out of circulation, that, that panic does not help someone and spreading information doesn't necessarily stop the spread of panic because that's, if the information is that the, the virus, if you get it or someone you love gets it, it will likely result in something very bad. Um, that's not helpful. And so equating the spread of information with a, a, a drop in panic is not necessarily a thing that there's no correlation between those two things. I had a very helpful friend share a bunch of information and be like, see, it's not so bad. And I was just like, according to this, um, basically, if my mother gets the coronavirus, she will die. These, these, this is just a fact based on your very quote unquote helpful dissemination of information. Mm -hmm. um, and so in the face of that, because I'm thousands away from thousands of miles away from my mother at this point, um, let's talk about some really, really basic, basic, always with you, always available, completely free. This is not a pitch for anything. No one gives a shit about selling you anything right now. Things that you can do. So I want to start with um, one of my practices is that I read books. And often when I read a book, I will only come away with a few sentences that are like, meaty, juicy, delicious. Oh my God, I will come back to that. I write them on index cards and I have a box so that I literally have hundreds and hundreds of books at my fingertips uh, in terms of these quotes that are just like, oh, they speak to the human condition. 
So this is sort of where we all right now, where we are right now. It's not about where we're going, and it is. Uh, it's Samantha Irby. We are never meeting in real life. She has a new book coming out. Please buy it, all you introverts. Samantha Irby is one of the funniest writers in the history of the world. Um, that's without an exaggeration. She's amazing. Please buy it. Okay, and I think it's called Wow No Thanks, coming out April fifth. She's not a guest. She's far too famous for me. But <laughs> buy her stuff. She's amazing. Uh, she says, "Quote." What I really wanted to do was pull a blanket over my head and listen to Pearl Jam's No Code on repeat while eating snacks and pretending to be searching for myself all day. Fuck, that's all I want to fucking do now. But I couldn't find anyone willing to pay for that shit. And that's why she became a writer. But, uh, but yeah, I want, to put, I want to pull a blanket over my head and listen to Pearl Jam's No Code on repeat and eat snacks and pretend to be searching for myself because that's far easier than whatever this shit is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It definitely is. Right? And, and hiding is always an option, right? But I come well, back to the fact that... right now. Like, hiding is like, please, everyone, go the fuck home and just fucking bunker up. That's actually being advised at every level. Mm-hmm. And so it that's, is. like, what's a healthy way to, to do that and what is an unhealthy way to do that? Well, one of the things that I would say that comes to mind is if you think about tying this into the breath, for example... The breath is the only thing that is with us from the moment that we are born until the moment that we die, that we have direct control over. You think of all the other systems in our body, like our nervous system, our immune system, our respiratory system, um, endocrine system, like all of those things, they're either working effectively or they're not. And there's really not much that we can do to change the way that those are working on a moment to moment basis, right? Mm -hmm. But the breath in any moment, just with our intention, we can send our breath places. We can breathe deep. We can breathe shallow. And one of uh, the things that came, that comes to mind is there's a concept of horizontal breathing versus vertical breathing. And I got this from a breath coach named Dr. Belisa, who works with like first responders and military and athletes. And she's really, I was drawn to her writing and her work because she's very much, um, into the science behind of everything. Like why, when we breathe a certain way, does this happen? Mm-hmm. And she's work, she works with people and tests the stuff. Whereas it's not just this woo woo, like, Oh, breathe this way. And you're going to con- align all your chakras and connect to God and all this stuff. Right? Like it's a very physical practice. Mm-hmm. And what vertical versus horizontal breathing is, is if you look at like a baby or a toddler, or a little kid, like when you watch them inhale, their bellies stick out. And then on, the, on their exhale, their belly pulls back in. And so what they're doing is, is they're breathing horizontally. So on your inhale, your belly goes all the way out, like you're filling up your diaphragm with air. And on the exhale, you're fully emptying it again. And so what this does is this ensures that you're breathing and your breath is going all the way through your body. So it comes in through your nose or your mouth, and it goes all the way down through your throat, down through your heart, your chest, and into your diaphragm, and then back out. And so what happens is, is as we get older, we start picking up on just social cues where we start to feel anxious. Maybe we got bullied or we fell and we got hurt and our parents told us to like suck it up. That doesn't hurt. And then we start to just like feel anxious and pick up this stuff. And so we start breathing shallow and we're not even aware that we're doing this, but I would be willing to bet that 95% of you listening to this right now, if you put one hand on your belly and one hand on your, on your chest and you just took a normal inhale that you would find that your chest would rise and fall and your shoulders would rise and fall and your belly, your hand on your belly wouldn't move. And so what that means is that you're breathing vertically. And so that means that the air is not getting all the way down into your diaphragm. That means that you're not consciously uh, moving all that stale air that gets stuck in the diaphragm out. And also it puts a lot of tension on your shoulders and your neck when you breathe vertically because your neck and shoulders kind of go up and down. They're like slouching up and down on your inhales and exhales. And that, again, puts more stress. So then you start to feel physical pain. And so one of the things that's like the most important thing that you can do is just when you catch yourself starting to panic, just focus on doing like five or 10 belly breaths. And you just simply inhale however it feels good to you in through the nose and through the mouth. Just get the air in there and pump your belly all the way out. And then on the exhale, you're going to pull it all the way back in, almost like sucking your diaphragm in. And, and that's going to clear all any stale air that you might have down there. And it, and it will calm 
a lot of those systems down. And so one of the things that happens when you, when you train yourself to do more horizontal breathing is that it kind of uh, works your vagus nerve a little bit. That's kind of like the, the trendy topic in the, in the, in the breath work breathing world. But they found that the vagus nerve is the longest nerve system in your body and it connects your brain with your heart and with your gut. And so when you breathe this way, you're stimulating that in a really helpful way. So you're better equipped to um, work through stress, relieve stress. Your digestive system is going to work better. At night, if you're laying down and you breathe this way, you're going to sleep better. It just kind of like clears you out, if that makes sense. It does. And it's also, uh, if you uh, were born into, uh, if, you're the, <laughs> if your gender at birth was assigned as female, you very quickly learn that like that needs to be sucked in. Um, think about Spanx. Think about all of the like the shapewear. It's going to tuck your belly in. It's not going to get like you're not allowed to make your belly big because you need to be smaller. So especially if you've been female, which is most of my audience, um, it's completely counterintuitive. Uh, because you do, you are very much trained to hold your stomach in, like stomach in, tits out, let's do this thing. And um, horizontal breathing is the opposite of that. It's like, no, like, like hold yourself erect, but let your belly really move and really get breath in there. And you can actually feel like when we started this call and we're talking about things, um, that my, my whole system was feeling jangly, like, like just like shaky, jangly. And uh, as Josh is talking and I practice horizontal breathing, everything slows, everything calms, nothing has been resolved or changed in the outer circumstances, but I have more control of my inner circumstances, which is a no small thing. Yeah. And, and the, the thing that I want to, a couple things that I want to point out about this too, is that at first when I was reading this book, I was like, oh, this is full of crap. And but I was like, but I started trying it and I was like, man, I look silly. And she even mentioned in the book that I was reading um, that you're going to look silly and you're going to feel silly. But I've noticed that over time, like I, I made a, I made a, basically I set six or seven alarms on my phone and they would ding. And when I knew that the alarm would go off, that was time to do 10 to 15 vertical uh, or horizontal breaths. Mm -hmm. And what I notice is over time now, I just naturally breathe that way. So I have completely retrained my body to do that without thinking and I'm no longer self-conscious. And actually, I fully inflate my diaphragm on almost all of my breaths subconsciously without thinking about it. My body just does it. And you can't even tell that I'm breathing this way anymore. Now, when I first started, I was very much like pushing it out and like almost like tightening my lower back and all of that stuff just to make sure that I was doing it right. Mm -hmm. But the more you practice it, the more that you can do it naturally without thinking and in a way that people aren't even going to notice. Yeah. So if every time in the next few weeks or months, someone says coronavirus, you take three horizontal breaths, you are so far ahead of the human curve because we have the, like we, at the primal level, this is a stress response that's not going to go away. And the internet amplifies the panicky feeling. Um, the quote that I have is uh, Douglas Abrams, who co-wrote a book with um, His Holiness the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu in the Book of Joy, page 63, because yes, I am an English degree nerd, whatever, quote, we cannot bring peace if we do not have inner peace. Similarly, we cannot hope to make the world a better, happier place if we do not aspire for this in our own lives, end quote. But I think that's especially for the warriors and the breathwork people and the, oh my God, this is just panic, 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 panic. Um, your first responsibility when you have panic is to take the panic out of circulation and the horizontal breath can do that quite well. I would, yes, there? It, it's such a good <laughs> practice. Yeah. So, but you get to practice. Um, I feel like Josh and I, we met, uh, we were just talking about when did we meet? Like Josh has been in my life for a long time. Um, I worked for a different company and we met uh, at, uh, in the MGM Grand's food court in around, we think 2008, so about 12 years. Um, and you were doing different stuff and I was doing different stuff. When did you mm -hmm. start to get, like when did breathwork become an active part of your daily life? So let's see, 2008, I would have been 27. So it would have been seven years after that when I was 34 when I, when I started doing uh, the Wim Hof Method. Mm -hmm. um, and... I had always been interested in meditation. I found a, I read a book or a quote. I think it was a Thich Nhat Hanh book. Um, you are here when I was like 17 or 18. 
And mm-hmm. I tried to meditate, but I was like, oh, I'm, I'm doing this wrong. I suck at meditation. And I never really committed. And then a few years later, I found something called binaural beats. And that helped me have an act, active practice because I recognized that the, the music, the little hum that the binaural beats are would like relax me in a way. So I was like, oh, well, maybe I am doing this right because I feel relaxed. Um, but again, I, n- I never really felt the call to do it every day until my life um, like shit hit the fan and my son was sick. I'll do the really quick version of this because I've told the story so many times, but we were planning a trip to Europe for, we were going to go with our family and be over there for six months, just road tripping around. Mm-hmm. And we'd been planning it for four years. My son got sick about a year and a half before we were to leave. And we we're like, oh, he's going to get better. He's going to get better. And nobody could diagnose what he had. We took out his tonsils. We went all these naturopaths, all these specialists, and nobody could figure out what, it, what he had until we finally got a cystic fibrosis diagnosis three weeks before we were supposed to leave for Europe. Um, canceled the Europe trip. So we had to grieve the, the canceled Europe trip, grieve this like illness that my son has that doesn't have a cure. Because we were photographers, we and we were going to be gone for an extended period of time, we stopped saying, booking work. So we had no money coming in. Mm. All the people that we worked with, like the planners and the and the, the people that we worked with to book weddings were like, well, we were going, we were going to be gone. So we found other people to work with. Of course. So yeah. Money stress. Um, and then a couple months after we canceled that trip, we found out we had our other two daughters tested and um, one of our other daughters also has cystic fibrosis. And then five months after that, my wife's twin brother died of a drug overdose. And it was just like, all of these things coming together within a six month period. And I have to say that I was the most privileged of privileged white males. I, my life was easy. Anything that was like hard in my life was caused because of some idiot thing that I did. Mm. And so like both of my parents are together. We were financially secure. Anything I wanted, I had, I was an only child. Um, They supported me. They were not abusive. Like, I knew that I was always loved like any, like I had the absolute perfect childhood. And so when all of this stuff started going wrong, I was like, wait, no, no, life is not supposed to be like this. Life is supposed to work out just the way that I want <laughs> because that's what it's always done. Yeah. Life is supposed to be so much easier than this. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. yeah. So what year is this that like the, the ultimate like shit hitting the fan help us place this in time? That would have been um, 2014. Okay, cool. Yeah. 2014, 2015 is when shit, shit hit the fan. And one of my buddies um, lived in Pittsburgh and he goes, Hey man, I watched this YouTube video, this crazy guy who sits in ice water and I want to do this method, but I would really like somebody to hold me accountable and you're the only one crazy enough to do it. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, sweet, send it over. And so I watched this 45 minute YouTube video on Wim Hof and he and I started, my buddy Brian and I started doing this um, 10 week course. And every day we'd be like, this was our retention times. This is how long we were in the shower. This is how long we did this physical thing. And it was just like, um, I realized five to six weeks in that all of the stress that I had going on in my life, I was better able to handle it. Like my life circumstances didn't change, but mentally and internally, I was better equipped to, to be present, to have an acceptance of what I could change and what I couldn't and an awareness of what I could change and what I couldn't. Mm-hmm. And so anytime that like my wife was dealing with grief and I was struggling to support her with that, I'd be like, Hey, like I'm going to go do some, some breath holds really quick and I will be back and I will be better equipped to hold space for you. And wise. you're all really, really jealous of Jenny right now because I guarantee that your partners are not like, let me just do some breath holds and then I'll hold some more space for you. That'll be dope. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> It was tough. It it was, there was some story. There was some times where I didn't know if we were going to make it like it was, and we've been together since high school and she lived through a really traumatic life. And I, again, like I said earlier, had lived a very easy life. And so there's so much that I just didn't understand about her behavior that now looking back as we are stronger and closer together than ever, um, I see where those behaviors came from and why they happened and how I was trying to support her didn't feel like support to her. Um, and it was all about like recognizing capacity that somebody else might have for, for some sort of healing, um, in certain moments and acknowledging that like everybody's kind of doing the best that they can. And we need to give people, um, space and grace and love as opposed to saying, Hey, if you only did this, maybe you'd feel better. Or, Hey, what if you tried this? You know, 
Yeah, so. I think that's why I love the horizontal breathing so much because it's not like it's not elaborate, it's not expensive, it's not a function of privilege, um, with the exception of people that are having respiratory illnesses. And then, but like you can do the best you can. Like aspiring to take deeper breaths is is the most simple fix for humans possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you went into Wim Hof, which you like you spread like wildfire, and I did Wim Hof, and I was like, this is dope. I can do breath holds, but um, as a long term practice, um, I'm cold all the time anyway, and getting into the cold made me colder. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, all the things that it was supposed to do, like rev up this and rev up that. It like was like, oh well if you happen to have anemia and you're hypoglycemic and you're sort of immune prone anyway, um, Wim Hof might not be the answer, but you took Wim Hof and did it so amazingly and you still do it. Mm -hmm. And then when did you find, what was the next thing after Wim Hof? So after Wim Hof, it was at Brave when you introduced um, me to David Elliott's breathwork. Oh, I didn't know that I did that. I thought that was something you already had. No, that was at Brave. You, that is, you, that's um, dope, guys. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were like, I just went to this thing with, with my teacher, with my chiropractor or acupuncturist, Aaron Telford, uh-huh. and um, I learned this breathing pattern, and I'm going to share it with you, but it's still really new for me, so I don't know how this is going to go. And I was yeah. breathing, and I was like, oh, this is cool. And as I'm doing this, I'm trying to stay present and feel what's, what's going on and what I'm feeling. But I kept getting excited because I was like, wait, this is what happens when I do the Wim Hof, when I build up the buildup part of Wim Hof, right? Uh-huh. It's like this very much energy build where you're taking in more oxygen than you're releasing. Yeah. And so you start to get the tingly fingers and you feel the energy moving around and you start to feel a little kind of lightheaded. And like sometimes you feel light and you feel like you're floating. Sometimes you feel heavy and you're in the ground. Uh-huh. Um, and I started feeling all these things and I was like, wait, I felt this before. And so because David Elliott's is very much just a pattern and yes. you just do the whole pattern for so long. Yes. And I found myself, um, it wasn't until I got home and I was like, let me do this David Elliott pattern. But when I feel the urge, like I'm about to just pop, I'm going to put a breath hold in there and see what happens. And the breath hold was how I combined the two breathing practices into the thing that I teach today. Which is, um, I've been putting pressure on Josh for years to make a breathwork class, like y- literally years, quietly and privately yep. via text message. And when he finally did, I was just like, oh, thank you, God, I can just retire. I can retire from breathwork because Josh has you. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, thank you. He, because he just, like, it's not just the energy. It's also like, well, I've also scored my breathwork. So like John Williams style music, like levels of like, it, you know, it moves exactly with it. It's not like I found some other music and put it on top of it, which is what I do because I do not, I am not also a, a composer. <laughs> like, um, So Josh's breathwork is very much a combination of like being a total breathwork nerd for a very long time leading to this particular breath work will will help you immensely if you've done um and i don't want to get too nerdy about it okay so what we're saying is if you want to explore wim hof please do so if you want to explore david elliott please do so um david elliott's is the work that i teach that aaron telford teaches um josh has bases in it but then he plays with it a little more and combines modalities um, I think it's just a matter of when you, can you describe a sort of like before and after for breath work? Like what's going on internally before, what's going on during, and what's going on after? Because if I say it, then it'll be like, ah, she's trying to sell the softness sessions. I know how this works, <laughs> right? Like, um, so yes. before, during, after. Yeah. So one of the things that um, I recognized is that when, so, when you think of stress and anxiety or, or even like traumas, grief, any of these really just heavy emotions that are labeled negative, um, you think about they, they store, you're, they're stored in your body, right? And the only way that we're ever going to release any of this stuff that we pick up through our daily life um, experience is, is when our nervous system feels safe enough to release. And so often when we're just existing in a day-to-day life, we're so often in the, the um, amygdala where our fight, flight, or freeze is activated. Mm-hmm. And we're so on edge all the time and, and we never give ourselves a chance to come down. And so what's happening when you do the breath work this way, 
um, is that you're, you're giving your, your, that part of your brain, the amygdala, something to do. It's just a simple breathing pattern. Mm-hmm. And it very quickly and effectively shuts that part of your brain down, allows you to move into your prefrontal cortex, which is where um, your, uh, oh my gosh, why is the, your autonomic, no, that's the autonomic, can you just, the uh, parasympathetic nervous system. That is the word I was looking for. Right. So, so when your amygdala is activated, like when, when we say pan, the word pandemic, your amygdala is activated instantaneously. Yep. So right in away. your body without labeling. So what, what breath work is helpful for is label the sensation, not as an emotion. So the sensation is there's good, probably some tingling. Your breath immediately gets more shallow. Uh, it feels like you've had like 17 cups of coffee, that sort of like horrid jittery feeling. And the amygdala mm-hmm. likes it because as long as you feel that the amygdala, which is your lizard brain is in control. And as long as it has control, then it can keep you stuck in fear, which is what's happening at a global level without any sort of judgment whatsoever attached to it. There is good reason for fear. And also, if all of us get locked in fear, it's all going to get very ugly very quickly. So the amygdala is in charge before. And then during, you're switching from the amygdala to all of the other parts of your brain that are much less ancient and more wise. (laughs) Yes. You're tapping almost into like... um... Like our body, I, be, I, I fully believe like we, we, were cre- we were created and born with these systems that exist to keep us healthy and happy. Mm-hmm. And um, just when we're in that lizard brain, like it's just really hard to be and to, to let those systems take over and do what they're supposed to do. So when you're doing this breathing pattern and then you're doing the breath, the breath hold, you're actually putting your body into what I call a controlled state of stress but you're giving all of those inner systems a chance to wake up and do their job. And it clears out all sorts of junk really effectively. And mm-hmm. so usually uh, 15, 20 minutes into the session, you fought through the resistance of like, I can't do this. I can't do this. This is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I need to quit. And like all of those are forms of, re- or you might fall asleep. Like that's a form of resistance as well. Mm-hmm. Cause like your lizard brain is like, wait, I don't, I like, I like what I know and I don't like change. Yeah, your lizard brain is very committed to, like, you're going to die if you keep breathing. And, like, think about that statement. You're not going to die if you keep breathing. (laughs) No, you're not. But that's what it tells you because it needs control badly. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, so then, so after, you know, you get through that, that initial part, you're into your body, your nervous system's kind of feeling a little bit safer. So then stuff starts to come up and, and your only responsibility is to just keep breathing Mm -hmm. and just commit to the breath, do the breath holds. And, and what happens is, is that you eventually feel lighter. Um, you can, you might feel, um, uh, I have a friend actually who says, um, when she comes to my classes, it's her, it's her time to go to outer space mm-hmm. and she just like floats. And it's like, I can, she's like, I can get rid of all the stress, everything, all the anxiety, everything that's going on. And I just float. And it's a chance to just be present with myself. Yep. And you think about life and there's not really a lot of opportunities for us to just be present with ourselves, with nothing to do, but lay there and breathe. And so that's how like during the breath work, like that's why it's so beneficial because all of those systems are, are working together in an efficient and effective way that don't happen when you're just like walking around, you know, or driving from one place to the next, or you're at work or you're with your kids or your partner or whatever. Yeah. That even if it's quiet and you're by yourself, often the amygdala will still have control of you and just be pushing you, like gorging you with fear, panic, oh my God, worry, to-do list. Like even if you're alone, the amygdala often has control. Um, And so breathwork is about moving through that. I have the quote, like, see, I'm just, I'm on fire with the quotes that were randomly (laughs) selected but are somehow the right order. Um, This is Joanna Macy in Krista Tippett's Becoming Wise book. Krista Tippett does the uh, On Being podcast. Mm -hmm. Quote, we are called not to run from the discomfort and not run from the grief or the feelings of outrage or even fear. If we can be fearless and be with our pain, it turns. It doesn't stay static. It only doesn't change if we refuse to look at it. When we look at it, when we take it in our hands, when we can just be with it and keep breathing, then it turns. It turns to reveal its other face. And the other face of our pain for the world is our love for the world, our absolutely inseparable connectedness with all life. End quote. Beautiful. So that's where we are. We're with the discomfort. 
it's like it's our brain tells us we're going to die we don't die we're in the session we're 20 minutes in we've fought at some level to keep going because our primal brain is like you're unsafe and we're like dude you're just breathing this is you're fine you're fine and then what happens when then like for me i I, I, it's just like this incredible release where, and I, I can't even, I struggle to put, to put it into words, honestly, because it is just so, so profound. And also too, I mean, I've been leading classes for three years now mm-hmm. and some classes are, you know, two or three people, some 27, 20. I had a class of high school teachers, had like 40 some high school teachers in a room doing this. And I think one of them had done breath work with me before. Um, and you just see like just this vast amount of, of, uh, people, like you can feel the energy shifting and, and people getting engaged in this and they feel lighter and they wake up and in a lot of times people come into the skeptical mm-hmm. and, um, and then when they're done, they're just like, whoa, you know, it's almost like they, they went through this incredible transformation in a really quick way and they just feel like they're they're capable of dealing with so much um, with the pressures that life has to, to throw that life throws at us. Right. Yeah. I have never gone to a breathwork session. It can be, I can be at a like DEF CON one doom is ticking. Like it is all worst case scenario panic. And I've never come out of a breathwork session and not felt like, Oh, my stress has gone down by at least 80%, even though it's been an hour, no circumstances that caused me all of those stresses an hour ago have changed. It's simply that my internal stress response has calmed the fuck down so that I can do what needs to be done in order to move through my life. Like there is always peace at the other side of the breathwork session. Yep. And you know, like, and it, it really fits in with where I'm at in life in the sense of all of my, my, my toolbox, if you will, of things that I turn to when, when, I'm, when I'm feeling just like stressed or anxious or nervous or panic, if you will. Um, every single one of my practices, and again, like every, everyone's toolbox is going to look different. And so I really urge you to spend some time thinking about like what those practices look like for you to try new things, to see what helps you when you're in those certain states. But Mm -hmm. for me, all of mine deal with putting myself into a state of discomfort, whether it's breath work, um, working out, uh, I do CrossFit six days a week. I go running with my weight vest, you know, with the 20 pound weight vest on a couple of times a week or taking um, cold showers daily, sitting in ice water in the winter. And then in the summer when the water is warm, I have a chest freezer that I've converted that sits at 35 to 40 degrees. And like all of those things, um, depending on where I'm at in life, like how, how I'm doing or whatever, I can turn to those and come back like refreshed. And, and mentally, I recognize that I did something hard. And so what happens then is that when I'm sitting having an uncomfortable situation or uh, if my son um, is having issues with some kids at high school or some, you know, typical teenage, teenage stuff, right. like I'm, I'm able to sit with him in his pain without any shame or judgment or guilt and just be there. And it's difficult and it's hard, but I've trained my body consistently for the past five years to recognize that I can sit in discomfort and be okay. Yes. And it also helps you become more alive because you aren't as committed to just pushing down, repressing, stuffing, not feeling, not dealing, living in fear, dealing with good enough. Um, All of those things are the side benefits that are somehow touted as like woo-woo or manifesting or, and it's really just this simple, like, no, I get, I'm getting better at controlling my nervous system because my nervous system gets out of control really quickly and my asshole brain spirals. And if I can catch it and do breath work with it alongside it, often things will shift in ways that I couldn't have predicted and answers will come that are feel completely out of left field, but exactly right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it taps you into like, it really does. I, I mean, intuition is one of those like really trendy words, but it really does. Like there's a voice that comes, that comes up and I, and I recognize the more that I do breath work, my meditation practice. Cause I do, I do full breath work sessions, 45 minutes to an hour, twice a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do a 25 minute meditation every morning before I basically, I get up out of bed, I drink a glass of water and I sit down on the couch and meditate before I do anything. Mm-hmm. And then I do about 10 to 15 minutes before bed as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I spend a lot of time just sitting there breathing, but I, I recognize um, 
how that that benefits me and i and and at the time that i spend doing that i recognize that like it it has unleashed this voice almost like this gut thing that i trust so much more because it doesn't steer me wrong yeah I've, it's never ever 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 steered me wrong and um the other part of it is that you like it can be very scary i can like hear you all like oh god you have to like feel feelings and take the things that were repressed and try and figure them out and the and it's actually, um, especially if you're an Enneagram four, especially if you're a fan of Glennon Doyle, um, it's probably time to feel your feelings. However, Melissa Broder in the Pisces, you probably feel like this quote, I had felt for a long time that if I started crying, I would not stop. That if I finally ripped, there would be nothing to stop my guts from falling out. I was scared of what might come out of me, the things I would see, what others would see. I was scared the feelings would eat me. Feelings were a luxury of the young or someone more at ease with being human. It was too late for tears. I was to keep going, to move forward on the same track in spite of life's unsatisfying lifeness. I was not to ask where I was going or if it was where I really wanted to go. I was not to ask if I was actually going anywhere at all." End quote. Mm. Um, so as we go into breath work, it's completely natural to be like, but I don't want to feel those things. That's why they are tucked in boxes within boxes within boxes inside of me. And until we begin to unpack those boxes gently and easily, and the easiest way I've found is through breath work, the reward is on the other side, which is like, intuition is not a trendy word. It's a very necessary word, even though marketers are trying to co-opt it because it's, it's the coming back of the inner voice that says, this is not right. This is not okay. Global pandemics should not be something that caused people to go into medical bankruptcy. Um, all of those sorts of like are righteous, like this is not the way it should be feelings. When we do breath work at the other end of breath work, after the hard part, after the feeling, the feelings, after the work, there's the other part that is like, and here is a next step. Here is a way to move forward. I always keep a notebook with me with breathwork because at the end of it, inevitably, there is a simple, tangible, usually fewer than five words message. And that is my next right thing. It's how I can actively access my next right thing reliably without asking anyone or anything outside of me for help. Mm, and, so true. and I've never found anything else that lets me do that. So for breathwork, like, please, of course, um, go and buy Josh's breathwork. Please go and buy Aaron Telford's. Please go and buy Wim Hof's. Like, whomever speaks to you at the deepest level with breathwork, please go with that pr practitioner and play with them. Because this going into feelings and moving through them to the other side where they're clear and you can see your life more clearly, it is more vital now than ever. Yes. And I can tell you just real world current example, you know, with my two kids with cystic fibrosis, it is a respiratory illness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if I, I can't think of what would happen if one of them came down with the coronavirus, right? Like I know, I don't know how their body would handle fighting that off. And so as and a, as a pause, dad, pause, yeah. let's remember that when we say coronavirus, you breathe horizontally three times right now. Like everybody breathe horizontally. This is the practice you're going to do so much horizontal breathing in the coming weeks, right? <laughs> you got this. You're going to breathe horizontally. Just did my three. Excellent. And then we're going to continue the story. Go. Okay. So if they came down with this, I don't know how they would, you know, how their little bodies would fight it off. I have no clue. And so old me would have been a complete mess. And new me is like, okay, what is a, a, a good response to this. What can I do? And so my first thing was, let me reach out to their doctor. Let's talk to the doctor. What do we need to do right now? And we talked and we made a plan and I'm like, okay, I feel good with that. You know? And, and, but in the past, we would have been like, I'm going to hoard all the toilet paper and I'm, we're, we're just going to like sit in our house and we're not going anywhere because it's not safe. And like, that's just, that's not where we're at yet. Right. But that panic, I recognized that it was coming, but then I was like, okay, what, let me check in with myself. Let me do some breathing. Let me, I did some breath work. Like what comes up as I'm doing this? And it, and it, there was like this very clear thing uh, for me that, that feels good. And I don't really care if other people agree with me or not, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it's also that when, um, when the amygdala has hold of you, it's effectively like having, um, 
everything about Donald Trump that you hate, which is so much, have hold of you because it's, it's fear, it's scarcity, it's hoarding, it's panic, it's me, 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 me. Like that's what the amygdala does. And in a, in this sort of a crisis, we need, we need, we, we need us, we need, and the way to connect to that is just what you said is when you do breath work on the other side, I'm going to ask my doctor, I'm going to reach out. I'm going to, in general, you will ask for help at the other side of breath work where before you would be like, I'll just figure it out and make my own, um, excuse me, hand sanitizer. And that will be the solution. And we will just not go anywhere ever again, somehow. Um, so that, that, that fear response, fear is always going to make you smaller. And in general, breathwork is going to let you get bigger and bigger energy is what we need right now. We need big, 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 big energy. We do. And it's infectious too. Like you can, you can feel, you feel lighter. And then that, that energy, you're then carrying that with you and other people that you come into contact with will feel your presence in a lighter way. And we don't even, we're not even aware of how our energy intersects with other people and how we carry ourselves. But it's, it's almost like if you're having a really bad day and you're feeling small, um, you kind of are, you're hunched over, you're shrunken down. And I notice when I'm having days like that, like people will bump into me. It's almost like they don't even see me. Mm-hmm. But then when I'm like happy, I'm feeling good. I'm smiling. Like people are acknowledging me and they're smiling back or there are eyes will make eye contact. And just for a brief moment, we say, Hey, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and like, that's like subconscious, like things where you can either think that that's woo woo or not, but I, but if you pay attention, it, it, it's, there's science there that, that shows that, that our energy, our energies mix with other people that we come in contact with. And we can, if we are going in the world calm, especially right now, if we are going out calm. (laughs) You're easy to pick out if you're calm right now. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brene Brown. St. Brene, quote, loneliness is not just a sad condition, it's a dangerous one. The brains of social species have evolved to respond to the feeling of being pushed to the social perimeter, being on the outside, by going into self-preservation mode. When we feel isolated, disconnected, and lonely, we try to protect ourselves. In that mode, we want to connect, but our brain is attempting to override connection with self-protection. That means less empathy, more defensiveness, more numbing, and less sleeping, end quote. And that's page 54 of Braving the Wilderness. Should that book be inspiring? Because introverts, because libraries, because what else are we going to do when we're stuck indoors all day? Brene Brown, Braving the Wilderness. So yeah, like physiologically, and she has, you know, hundreds of thousands of data points to back that up. Our brain is attempting to override connection with self-protection when we're in that amygdala place. Yes. Thoughts, commentary? <laughs> well, I just, I just think about like, ag- again, um, I'm so much of my life. I recognize the different things that I've, that I've done, you know, photo- I've always been self-employed, but it was photography for some time. And then we did the happy family movement where we were, uh, my wife and I would write about share our family values and habits and try and get other people to come up with their own set of habits and values so that they could just really connect with their kids. Mm-hmm. And then we moved into the greeting cards and leaving letters for people. And again, like it was connection. It was just like, everything is about like saying, Hey, I see you. I know life is hard, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to take a moment to, to write a letter uh, and fill so much energy in here to let you know how much I care about you. And I don't know who would find that, but random people would find that. And hopefully they would take something from it. And then into like the breath work now. And it's all, Mm -hmm. I definitely feel like my job as a meditation teacher, a breathwork teacher, as a, as a Reiki practitioner, my job is solely to hold space and to offer a space for people to come in and to just be and to, to be with them in those moments, no matter how hard or uncomfortable it is. And that to me is the ultimate form of connection. Mm-hmm. And if you think about how many spaces like that exist in the world, even in our relationships, a lot of times with, with our most precious loved ones, a lot of times we, we have these habits where we tamp down certain parts of who we are that we don't show them because it just, it, it kind of puts a, they can't handle, we think they can't handle that part of us or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so there's not many spaces where you can go and just be and feel loved and seen and, and connect with other people. And so to me, that's what breathwork does because 
especially, I mean, you can do it on your own and you're going to get plenty of benefits. If you go out and you go to a class, you're going to be in a room with other people all sharing completely different experiences, but through the same practice. And my favorite part of the breathwork class is we've done the active breathing for 35 minutes. We've done 15 minutes of just chill, relaxed breathing. Like what the fuck is going on? I'm just going to sit here for a second. Cause I can't, I, I just can't do, go move right now. Mm-hmm. And then when they finally sit up and you, you watch the people kind of like their eyes kind of slowly open and close, they're moving their hands and feet a little bit. And then they look at, at other people and then they start sharing. And you like, these are people that don't know anything about each other. They usually have never met. Mm-hmm. And then they're sharing these deep, incredible breakthroughs that they had in the past hour. Mm-hmm. And like, that is like the ultimate form of connection and places like that just don't exist in the world very often. Yeah. Cause safe spaces are not rooms. They're people like you can't make a space safe just cause you say this is a safe space. No, that's bullshit. People feel yeah. energetically whether they're safe um, and the ability to hold space. If you think that's easy, you've never done it. <laughs> oh, so after my classes, I, 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 I always feel one, I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. Two, I'm exhausted. I sleep really good that those nights. And the last thing, which is really fascinating to me, is my eyesight is 100% clear. I wear contacts and I see good. I have 20-20 vision with my contacts. But when I'm driving home from my breathwork classes, it is so much sharper, like everything. And I'm just like laser focused and bought in. And I've, mm-hmm. you know, I basically had picked up all this amazing energy from the people that did the work and feel accomplished afterwards. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really, really gorgeous like opening and it's so like you have your eyes closed and you're breathing, but it's still incredibly vulnerable and to be able to move through pain without judgment. And in particular for me, um, to be able to move through pain without words is so beneficial. Like I understand the talk therapy is fantastic and also so much of what I'm letting go doesn't have and will never have words that it's not touchable by therapy. It's not this one particular trauma or this one particular thing that happened. It's this collective energetic weight that needs to go. And the energetic weight can never be addressed verbally because it's, it's words and the weight is wordless. Yep. And so often a lot of these things that we're holding in our body that you release through breath work, like you're not even aware of how they're manifesting into your interactions and your relationships and the way that you think about yourself, like it just, it happens subconsciously because of the life experiences that you've lived. Mm-hmm. And you, you don't even know that like this thing, you, you react this way when somebody says this thing because of this that happened and you've been storing it in your body and reacting that way ever since. Yeah. Um, I've, inst- I've uninstalled like uh, things that were like, oh, like I literally at some energetic level installed a clamp in my jaw when I was very small before I even went to kindergarten because I understood that uh, adults like me better if I didn't talk. And so everything was just like, you know what? I'll just shut up and read books because that appears to be all that the adults can handle. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but because- and that's so sad. But because I did that subconsciously at age five, talk therapy would have never gotten to that point. It was only through breathwork that it was like this horrible pain in my jaw when I do breathwork. What's that about? Oh, at some point, years into the practice, I'm going to release that horrible thing that says, you're not supposed to talk. People like you better when you're quiet, Kristen. That's the only, Mm. your purpose here is to shut up and read books. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so big, deep stuff that's completely subconscious, completely natural responses to the world around you as a child. Um, you can let those go. And as you let those go, you get bigger as a human. You get more capable of responding to the world around you. You don't shrink when the amygdala, when you feel your amygdala squeeze with panic or fear, you learn to move toward breathwork instead of moving toward the fear. And that makes a huge difference for things like what's happening right now. Yep. You know, some, some of the stuff too, that I think that comes to mind, that's really fascinating to me is every time I think that I've, that somebody that I know when, when I'm, when I'm starting a class, for example, I keep it very physical and I let people know these are the different things that you may or may not feel. And if you feel none of them, that doesn't mean that you're doing this wrong. It -hmm. just means that your body's giving you what you can handle today. Mm -hmm. And just, there's, there's so many things like there was one recently where a lady came up to me afterwards and she's like, my jaw was vibrating the entire session. And she was like, why do you think that would be? And nobody had ever mentioned that their jaw was vibrating before. So I was like, mm-hmm. I have no clue. I was like, let me get, let me think on it. Give me a day. And so, you know, I asked a few people 
Um, but I really thought about it and what it was, I was like, um, I asked her, I was like, have you, is there something that you're, there's a conversation or some words that you're trying to hold back inside some sort of emotion or something that you're feeling that, um, like maybe you suffered a tremendous loss or something and you're trying to be strong or you, you have something that you want to say, but you feel like if you're going to say it, that it's going to completely shatter or ruin something else. And she was like, and she said, yes. And that like, she had, she had apparently, um, she had lost a baby and she had to carry it, um, to uh full term and then like deliver it. And then she was being strong with her husband and she's like, I just want to support my husband. And I didn't want to. And so she had not been sharing how she was feeling in her grief. She's just been holding it inside. And so the vibration was her body releasing that. And so she messaged me later and was like, that was incredible. And you changed my life. And my husband and I, like we, we had this conversation and it's just so much, I feel so much better now, you know? And so there's Mm -hmm. things like that, that just happen that you just, you're not even aware of. Yeah. Um, And we're going to use another of the saints, perhaps the more flawed one, but I love her possibly more. Glennon Doyle, Untamed. You, you know, I'm ripping through this book, but page 74, I think this, this applies. Um, The building of the true and beautiful means the destruction of the good enough. Rebirth means death. Once a truer, more beautiful vision is born inside us, life is in the direction of that vision. Holding on to what is no longer true enough is not safe. It's the riskiest move because it is the certain death of everything that was meant to be. We are alive only to the degree to, to, the degree to which we are willing to be annihilated. I'm going to repeat it because I messed it up. We are alive only to the degree to which we are willing to be annihilated. Our next life will always cost us this one. If we are truly alive, we are constantly losing who we just were, what we just built, what we just believed, what we just knew to be true. I have lost identities, beliefs, and relationships. It has hurt to lose. I have learned that when I live from my emotions, knowing, and imagination, I am always losing. What I lose is always what is no longer true enough so that I can take full hold of what is. Mm -hmm. She's like one of my favorite writers. <laughs> she's, um, she's a, she is the most exquisite writer living today in terms of articulating what is in, within, particularly within the Enneagram 4. Like the internal landscape is Glennon Doyle's domain and she crushes it. Um, but that we are alive to the, only to the extent to which we are willing to be annihilated is I think a good emphasis of like breathwork can be scary, but it's also if you walk toward that like I don't know what's going to happen. You're often rewarded not with annihilation, but with freedom, with, oh my God, that stupid belief that I held for so long that's no longer true. I can dismiss it. And what will come of that? What is the better future that can come of me not believing my own bullshit and not feeding into the fear that my amygdala just pulses with all day long? Mm. So that's work. Yeah, I don't even have anything to add to there. That was just beautiful. Well, cause she's amazing. Um, if you yeah. haven't yet read Untamed, I'm not even through it yet because it's, it's like candy, but soul candy, but so like, it's just such deep sustenance that like read it, but then you're going to read it again. But it's one of those where you're, you're going fast and you're trying to slow down, but it's just too good. Um, yeah. So Glennon Doyle's Untamed. Um, so we've, I feel like we've done a good job of presenting breathwork as an option, but not a good job of making it not scary. Um, so I wanted to give some not scary options. Um, one of which is the softness sessions, which is my intro to breath work. If you're like, yeah, I don't want to dive into a full class right away. That feels really intimidating. Or you have a trauma in based background of like, I can't possibly spend that much time in that space. Like when I have no idea what will come up. The softness sessions are great for breathwork 101. We will, I will lead you slowly down the path and we will go from breathing for 12 minutes to 14 to 16 to 20 to 25. And then we end with a full session so that you don't have to do that alone. And if you've already done that or you're comfortable with breathwork in general, then please buy, Josh, please tell them what to buy from you. <laughs> yeah, so I currently just have one class up, but if you just go to joshsolar.co, 
Um, it's really easy to find. It's in my store there. It's called Breathwork 01. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm working on my second one now, but the, because I make the music for it as well, it takes a considerable amount of time and frustrations. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's just very, very simply joshsola.co. I have one class up there. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's been up. I released it. I had my goal was to release it before my birthday last month. And I had it up actually nine days before my birthday. So yes, woohoo. Yeah. Go and do the things. And if people are curious about who did we mention? Um, we mentioned Wim Hof who has, he has an app that's free. If you want to play with breath holds, cold showers, um, much more, um, taming the primal much less going into the intuitive emotional breathworky place but still very helpful particularly um, incredibly masculine Wim Hof yes I would agree with that I will also say um the the that all of these practices and all these teachers like they come at it from a completely different way of teaching Mm -hmm. and the other stuff happens regardless of if you're aware of it or not so if you if you approach it from the Wim Hof way, you're still going to get the same sort of stuff that you get out of the clearing, the lightness that you get out of doing Aaron Telford or David Elliott's or whatnot. Yeah. It's just a matter of who, um, the measure for me is who makes me feel safest. Yep. Um, and some days that's David, some days that's Aaron, some days that's Josh, some days that's actually my past self, like classes that I've recorded. I'm like, all right, well, I'll do my breath work with past self. I trust her. I I know her pretty well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, David Elliott, I found out you can go to davidelliott.com and also many, many, many of his breathwork sessions are in a magical Spotify playlist that he uploaded himself. So it's not stealing because he put it up there. Um, so Spotify, David Elliott meditations, try any of those. Um, I believe every person on earth should be doing breathwork right now. So whomever, wherever you find it. Um, please go after it. And then you had mentioned the horizontal breathing was taught to you, taught to you, taught in a book by Dr. Belisa. Dr. Belisa. Yep. B-E-L-I-S-A. Yeah. Perfect. She, and what just, was she just has a new book that came out called Breathing for Warriors. I'm like halfway through. That's really good. Awesome. Yeah. I, I count on Josh to be the breathwork nerd. Um, Cause I'm just like, yeah, no, it's just awesome. And I do it. And he's like, but science. I'm like, cool. You do the science and then send me a synopsis <laughs> of the science. Um, Cause I realize science does some things for some people. And I'm like, well, yeah, of course that's what it does. Yeah. I'm not impressed by your science, but I'm also glad someone's doing it. <laughs> um, so breathing for warriors and that's her book. And then the other books that I've mentioned today were untamed by Glennon Doyle, which just came out. If you're an Enneagram four, not optional to buy that book, please do that. Um, other books I've mentioned. If I started crying, I wouldn't stop is the Pisces by Melissa Broder, B-R-O-D-E-R. That's just fiction. I just picked that up from fiction. So not required, but fun. We are called not to run from the discomfort or from the grief, uh, but be with our pain. That was Krista Tippett, Becoming Wise. Again, I'm just basically giving you a library list. Uh, We cannot bring peace if we do not have inner peace is the Book of Joy. That is uh, His Holiness the Dalai Lama, Desmond Tutu, and the co-writer is Douglas Abrams, Book of Joy. And uh, if you just want to laugh, oh my God, she's so good. Samantha Irby, everything she's ever written, ever. Please do that. (laughs) Um, I'm going to do one last quote here. Can I say one more thing before you have one last quote? Okay. Yeah. So one of the things that I've learned that's so important as you're diving into breath work, if it's your first time, if it's your 50th time, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I, I stress this so much that there are no rules. So if in my class, when I teach, I say, hey, if you want to lay down, I recommend laying down. But if you need to roll onto your side to breathe, roll onto your side. If you need to pick your knees up, pick your knees up. If you need to move your feet into lotus, move your feet into lotus. If you breathe faster than the pattern that that the teacher says, breathe faster if that's what feels good to you. Like the whole point is that like any sort of meditation or breath work is supposed to put you into touch with what feels good internally. Mm-hmm. And what happens, and this is why it took me so long to get into any of this stuff is because I thought I was doing it wrong because I was trying to do it to certain people's rules that didn't feel good to me. Yes. So. Yeah. So that's a more trauma informed space, which is 
if you're asking a person to be in their body, you have like make accommodations for how can that person be in their body best. And if you ever feel unsafe during a breathwork practice, remember that you're usually running a pattern. So just stop the pattern and your normal breath will just take, come in and do what it needs to do. So any anxiousness, any unsafe, any freaking out, just stop, just stop the pattern, yeah, return to normal. Okay. And that's, and that's all that has to happen. Um, especially for people that are like, what are the rules? Here are the rules. Let me follow the rules. Um, the rules may be helpful at first and they may not be at all because they may be incredibly different for you. Like when I breathe, I tend to go at a sort of, I guess, a medium pace, like that song, um, on when Josh, song. yeah, like when Josh <laughs> does breathing, it's much faster, like the pace that he gives. Uh, when my best friend Doey does breath work, when I'm like, when I'm in a space where I'm holding a class, um, her breathing is almost imperceptible. It's so slow. And I'm like, this is all exactly, exactly right. It's, it's all a matter of like, what is the internal pace that your body would like to do and then do that. And if your body's saying you're doing it wrong, that's generally your amygdala just trying to keep control of you. Absolutely. So yeah, if it feels wrong to lie down, sit up, please don't, don't, don't. The rule is do not operate heavy machinery and try to do any sort of breathwork practice. Like don't drive or swim. No. Yes. Like you can't, people will email David Elliott and be like, I did some breathing in the car. And he's just like, no, no, no breathing while you're driving. Um, except for horizontal breathing. That's fine. But no patterns, no closing your eyes. Like, no, don't do that. But all the other things, the rules are just fine. Um, and I think ultimately at some level, picking up a breathwork practice is about picking up a soul practice that is like, I'm not going to be one of the people that keeps the fear and the panic in circulation. And in order to actively do that, I'm going to have to take some fairly rigid measures. And the rigidity comes from, I'm going to make time from, for this, regardless of what the practice looks like. Is that yes. fair? Yes. Absolutely. Cool. Well, I'm going to give you one last quote for you to respond to, I think. And then um, it feels it feels good. It feels like we've done what we came here to do. You have some tools. You have some people to explore, some books to read. We've armed the introverts with reasons to stay indoors. <laughs> <laughs> and armed the extroverts with like, you'll be a little less bored indoors. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. um so this is from this is again a fiction meg wolitzer and from her book uh the female persuasion which is fiction quote that's what the people who change our lives always do they give us to be permission to be the person we secretly long to be but maybe don't feel we're allowed to be end quote Ooh. man what how do you respond to that <laughs> Right? Like, I like a whole book to get that sentence because it's a fucking great sentence, right? <laughs> that is a good sentence. Yeah. It's like, I mean, really, like, what comes to mind when I think about that is, like, I was talking about earlier my privileged life and any challenge that I or, or mess up or anything that was hard in my life that I had to overcome was some stupid thing that I did. And, like, that's totally it is that, like, I recognize that now a lot of the issues that I had growing up and the way that I was came from me not looking at people and seeing them for who they were and loving them for who they were. It was always, I would create this picture of who I wanted them to be and then love mm -hmm. that person mm -hmm. versus just acknowledging where the person, whoever it may be was and who they are and their ticks and just loving everything about them mm -hmm. exactly that way. So I think that's what comes to mind from that quote, just yeah. love people for who they are. To just exactly who you are. And if you can be loved in your exactly who you are-ness, and you believe that you're loved exactly who you are, you are, oh, you're unstoppable because you're not earning anybody's love or approval anymore. Mm. You're, you're hashtag untamed. <laughs> 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 to make it topical. Um, so I feel like we've done a good job-ish. Um, so I usually close with a couple of like Rob Bell, like may use, um, but can you give us a couple of like wishes for everybody listening? Oh man. Oh, put me on the spot. Yeah. Taste of my own medicine. Yeah. Let me see. Do it. <laughs> Let me see. Oh man. 
I would just say, as we're going through life right now in this pretty chaotic time, may you just find the peace that we all deserve to live with. May you find the love for yourself and for the others that you come into contact with. And just may you find the awareness and acceptance to just be present fully in who you are right now and trust that that's enough. Yeah. And may you stay incredibly well through a global pandemic type situation. And may you remember to breathe uh, horizontally as frequently as possible. And uh, thank you so much for being here, Josh. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And uh, I will see you when KK and the Rainbows, our live version begins. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. One more time, The Antidote is a series of monthly gatherings to help you come back to your body, your being, and your breath when it's most likely that you'll self-abandon. The Antidote is the antidote to trying to do everything all alone, all by yourself, while you grow more stressed and you're generally freaking out and telling everyone you're fine while quietly or not so quietly, scream sobbing in a private place between tasks. Let's not do that. Let's try something different. This is a really simple format, one gathering a month on the first Tuesday of the month until the 2024 election. So we're practicing the skills that we will need in November now And we're getting really comfortable with body, breath, and being now. And that's available to you at jointheantidote.com. There's a free recording. You can sign up. You can get more details. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy.